I want to talk to you today about being present. <laughs> and about being engaged. Because everyone in this room knows what it's like when somebody's not paying attention to you. We all know when somebody's not listening. We know when our kids aren't paying attention. I'm actually going to give this to my wife so it'll leave me alone. Honey, I usually don't have it up here with me because it dings. And like, you guys are valuable, but we know when people aren't paying attention. We know when our kids aren't listening. You know when your spouse is not listening. Like, you know, right? You know when you, like you're getting a glassy look because somebody's not present in your life. But yet we sometimes struggle. We, we, we see it. Boy, do we feel it. But we don't always understand how we reciprocate it to people, right? And your phone dings and you lose interest. And, and so last week, we started off this series called Help, I've Got Kids. And in this series, we're ta- we talked broad strokes last week because it's like this as a parent, right? Do you ever feel like you're on that desert island and it's just mom and dad, that's me and Jen, by the way, right? And um, they just swap the kids. Instead of twin girls, we've got twin boys, right? And it, you just kind of feel like, man, life is crazy and I'm all alone. You're not all alone. You need to know that starting out. You're not all alone here at New City. One of our values is family. And the way that we say that is, first, is that we value our family. Like, we value this church family. We value like, us coming together and what we do when we are together as a church family under that new city uh, church umbrella. We also value your family. Like, it's important to me on how your life is going when you're not in this covering of new city church. Like, how are you at home, right? Did you fight the entire way here this morning? Right? Hope not. Did you fight the whole way home last week? Last week after church, I was leaving here, and it wasn't one of our church families, but there was a family in a van, and the mom and dad were fighting so much so that my kids are like, man, they're going at it. <laughs> and it was so uh, like back and forth that I'm actually driving slow beside them to like see if I need to like, hey, calm down, right? Like, it was, and they kept going straight, and I won't tell you what, they pulled into a church parking lot. <laughs> Which I'm glad they're going to church. I won't tell you which one it was, but it was down here on the right, right? <laughs> and, um, and I'm just like, well, I'm glad they're going to church. But, man, I'm like, woo, that pastor's got some work to do, some heavy lifting, right, for that family. They're coming in with some stressful situation. But we value your family. And finally, we value the next family. And what that means for us here at New City is if you're visiting or you've been visiting and you've yet to call this place your home church, like, we value you. And we want this place to be a, a place of worship, a ministry in your life. That, man, your family can come and find healing and find excitement and maybe even discover what God's got next in store for your life. Now, last week we introduced, um, or didn't introduce, but we taught on a scripture, uh, Proverbs 24.3. I want to revisit that quickly, but Proverbs 24.3 says this. We read, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. And so let's, we talk about wisdom a lot. Here at New City, and so if you're like, man, hey, what is wisdom? Here's how we define wisdom. It's like a math equation, right? When you know the right thing and you do the right thing. Some of us know the right thing, but we don't do the right thing. Proverbs would call you that foolishness, right? But wisdom is when you know the right thing and you do the right thing. So as families, now if you're here today and you're like, man, Matt, um, uh, I actually had a friend of mine. He's in my D group. His name's Alan. I'm going to totally call him out. And he asked me Tuesday night in our discipling group, he said, hey, how many more weeks of this uh, help I got kids we got going on? And I said, yeah, about three. He said, hmm, right, I guess I get three weeks off. That's what he said. He's messing with me, right? And I just told him, hey, just keep that tithe check coming in the mail. You can do whatever you want, right? <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, touche, touche, right? 
But so, like, if you're here and you're like, man, I don't have kids, I promise you today you're going to be able to find some transferable principles in whatever area of life you're in. Like, if you're a leader, if you, uh, have, if you have a job, if you know people, like, there are some transferable principles for you to discover today. But wisdom is when you, as the leader, whether that be the leadership role of mom or dad or whatever it might be, is that you know it and then you do it. What is understanding, right? What, how was this house built? How was this house established? It's understanding is that you grasp the idea. You get it. It's like that little light bulb goes up above your head and you're like, oh, that's why. Oh, that's why I do this. Oh, that's why they're always saying that. You grasp the idea. And when you grasp something, it will continue to let your house that you've been built established. And that's what we're trying to do, right? We just don't want to get something going and then move on. We want it to be established and continued. But here's what I've realized about my own life. I'm not going to put this on you, but you might go, oh, yeah, Matt, me too. But in my life, and I put on these four things, I realize that I am... Uh, too busy. I'm, 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 I've got too much going on when these four things show up. I'm rushed. I'm stressed. I'm tired. And I'm distracted. Say those again. When I'm rushed, when I'm stressed, when I'm tired, and when I'm distracted. You might want to write those four things down. Because when those four things are present in my life, I'm not present. Like when I'm rushed, stressed, tired, or distracted, I am not, I'm, I'm already thinking about the next thing. If the lights are on, but nobody's home. You ever heard that? I'm in one meeting, but I'm not paying attention because I'm thinking about the next thing. I'm sitting in church, but I'm thinking about something else. I'm at the dinner table, but I'm not even paying attention to what's going on. I'm already thinking about the next thing that I got to do. I gotta, I'm thinking about when I got to get my computer open and what I got to get done next or when I got to get my phone to respond to the text. Because, but when I'm stressed, rushed, tired, distracted, here's the deal. I am not a present person. It means I'm not a good hubby. Jen doesn't get the best of me when I'm rushed like that. My kids don't get the best of me as the daddy in the house. They don't get the best of me when I'm not present. My friends don't get the best friend. And you guys don't get the best pastor or the best employee, whatever you want to call me. Because I'm already thinking about something else. I'm already thinking about the next thing because I can't be present here because i got so much to do as soon as I get done with this. Does that relate to anybody in the room? So sometimes, even when we come to worship, I think the reason we can't throw our hands up or the reasons that our hearts can't explode with praise and adoration is because we don't have time to worship because we're already thinking about what we got to do when we get out of church today. You're already thinking about what's next, what's playing, what's around the corner. And because of that, it's just kind of like, man, when does the service get over? 10 o'clock? Great, let's get through this thing. Because i got somewheres to be. i got some things to do. And man, what I want to encourage us today is to take a breath and slow down and simply be present right now. Would you be present with me this morning? Would you choose to listen and to lean in on what I want to share with you? Maybe the Lord wants to speak to you. Maybe the Lord wants to maybe enlighten you on maybe a new truth or remind you of something that you've heard but you haven't applied or maybe something that you used to do that you've simply got away from because you've just been so busy. I want to talk to you today about your pace. And the Lord helps us in our pace, in the speed of our life. He gives us two specific things. Now, the Lord actually gives us a lot of things. Like the Bible is full of his promises. God gives us a lot of different types of gifts. But there's two things that I believe he specifically gives you and I that helps us to slow down. Okay? Now, when I say these two things, you're going to go, duh, right? But here's what I ask of you. Don't roll your spiritual eyes at me. You know what I'm saying? Rolling your spiritual eyes in the Bible is called prideful. Rolling your spiritual eyes is like, oh, I know this, I got this, I have nothing to learn. 
right? You may be well more versed than what I want to talk to you about this morning than maybe even myself, but I would ask for you to kind of hit pause on your eye rolling and simply go, Lord, is there something new for me to hear today? Would you, could we agree to that? Awesome. Thank you for committing. God heard it, so you have to now, all right? Two, two gifts that God gives you. I'm going to give you them, and then I'm going to talk about them. First of all, the one gift is God gives you a day off. He gives you, he gives you a day off every single week. I'm going to show you this in Scripture. And then also, God gives you a great counselor. I would say the very best counselor on the planet, in the universe. He gives you a day off, and he gives you a counselor. For us to be present, I would argue that we have to open these presents. We have to receive these presents. We have to, we have to uh, apply them to our daily schedule, our daily rhythm, so that we can fully enjoy what God is trying to say and do in our lives. I want us to start with the very first book of the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 2, and I believe it's verses 2 and 3. Right, So you don't have to turn very far in your Bible, but this is what we read. And I know there's not notes inside your deal, but write these scriptures down and study them this week. Why am I doing this? Okay, this is really important. My wife is sitting right here. Jen and I do our very, very best to base how we live our life off of God's Word. So the reason why I do certain things is because of what I'm beginning to read and understand in God's Word over a course of 20-something years, right? And so the principles that I'm giving you today are not grabbing from, hey, reaching for straws on some kind of philosophical idea. I'm going to do my best to say, hey, here is why I believe this. This is where I read this. This is how I see this. Now, you can apply this into your own life, right? Because too often, like, like, why do you read the Bible? Don't answer that out loud. Most people read the Bible because they have to. They feel like they're supposed to as a Christian. And if you don't read the Bible, you somewhat feel guilty. But what if you knew that every time you opened God's word that Jesus wanted to meet you there? See, how many of you got life problems? I got life problems. Like there's stuff that I'm trying to figure out. And so when I open my Bible, guess what I'm doing? I'm asking the Lord to give me wisdom on life's stuff. I'm looking for Jesus to meet me in his word, to teach me, to show me, to reveal to me my next move. I don't read my Bible because I have to. That's no fun. I did algebra in college because I had to. Actually, I took it three times. I had to. Didn't get to. I had to. Man, listen, if your spiritual life has any have-tos in it, man, you've got to get rid of that nonsense. Man, we get to. We get to. We get to. Genesis 2, this is what we, what we read, what Moses records, what God said. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all of, the work, uh, all of his work of creation. So, pop quiz, based on the scripture right there, it's going to stay on the screen. What did God do on the seventh day? He rested. So let's do some quick hand, hand counting so we can kind of maybe uncover what the seventh day is. Today is day one. Are you right? Sunday, the first day of the week. Monday. Play with me. Saturday. So on Saturday, God rested from his work. So that's what God, so my first question was that I asked you is, is what did God do on the seventh day? You guys said he rested. Now here's my second question. What did God do to the seventh day? Not what did he do, what, like that he rested, but what did God do to that day? What does that scripture teach us? He blessed it and he made it holy, right? Holy is a word that you see in the Bible a lot, right? Maybe you don't know what the word holy means, right? Some of us maybe even incorporate it in front of other words that we choose to use throughout the week when it's not going the way we want it to, right? Holy. What does the word holy mean? The word holy means to be, and I put it on there for you, it means to be set apart, 
to be sacred, to be something special. So on the seventh day, God takes the seventh day and he blesses it by setting it apart from the other six. And he makes it holy. He sets it apart. He makes it sacred. You, as a child of God, are made holy. You are set apart. You are sacred. You are something different and unique from the rest. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light on a hill like you. Like you may not feel that about you, but God's desire and dream for your life is that you would be holy and set apart. If there is something unique and special about you, you may go, oh man, not me. Quit calling God a liar. As a follower, as a, he's a good, good father. As a child of God, those songs that we just sang, you are unique. I don't care how much, it doesn't matter. God says that you are holy. You are set apart. You are unique. You are sacred, made for something special. And he does the same thing here on this seventh day of the week. Well, Matt, that's in Genesis. Does it really show up anywhere else in the Bible? It actually shows up a lot in the Bible. I'll bring you to the top ten, you know, the ten suggestions, right? <laughs> Why did you laugh, right? The Ten Commandments, right? We refer to them oftentimes, not out loud because we would get made fun of as Christians, but we refer to them as the ten if I get around to them, right? Or the ten, I hope I don't do that. But this idea of observing this special, sacred, holy day made the top ten. Like it made the list where God says, this gift that I'm giving you is so important to our relationship. It's so important to how your speed of life goes that I'm going to keep it in the top ten. I'm going to put it right there at number four. And like I've made the statement before, some of you have heard this. Never in my life, if I were to set up an image of Jesus on this table right here and say, all right, church family, I'm going to have Curtis and the band come up. And as they sing and play, I want us all to worship this image. I'm hoping a lot of you would be like, it's time for me to go to another church. Or if I was out killing people, I'm hoping somebody loves me enough to put their arm around me and say, hey, Pastor Matt, you out there murdering is really a bad look. You know, if I was stealing stuff in your car while you're worshiping and I were to get caught, I hope somebody would say, listen, you can't be doing that. Never in 21 years of ministry has anybody ever pulled me aside and said, hey, bro, you're working seven days a week. Hey, you need to take, nobody has ever, I'm telling you, if I killed somebody, somebody's going to have a problem with me. Nobody, nobody's probably ever got on you either. Why? Because we push, we go, do more, be better, bigger, stronger, faster, Right? That little phone that kept pretending a while ago is supposed to make our life less hectic. We all know that's a lie, correct? And we run at this crazy pace. And so here's what God says to Moses in Deuteronomy 5.12 when he's given the Ten Commandments. This is number four. He says, be careful to remember the Sabbath, right? To keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. It's not a, hey, uh, I think you should really do this. Notice that word, command, the way he has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Do not do any work. Six days, bust it. Go after it. Work hard. Get all that stuff done. But I want to give you this gift of Saturday that's been set apart and made sacred so that you can simply rest and enjoy me. And man, some of us, we just don't open that gift. Did you know that if you were to grow up as a little Jewish boy or girl in a Jewish boy or girl home, that your mom and dad probably wouldn't say the word Saturday? That you would probably have been taught it's Thursday, Friday, Shabbat, or Sabbath? That just would be your language. Like there's a guy that I'm talking to right now, his name's Gary Merritt. He's a new friend of mine. He works at Kingdom Living at the Messianic congregation that meets here on Saturday. And I got off the phone with him on Friday, and he said, Pastor Matt, have a great Shabbat. He didn't say have a great Saturday. He said, have a great Sabbath, have a great Shabbat. I said, you too, Gary, right? 
It's just not the way they... So here, here's what I want you to kind of maybe understand. Play with this this week. Look in your... Anytime you see the word Sabbath in the Old Testament, you could replace it for the word Saturday. Like, let me just kind of show you right here. I kind of put it in there for you. Uh, Deuteronomy 5.12 here. Let's do this one. Be careful to remember Saturday to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Saturday to the Lord your God. Do not do any work. And so now here's what happens in our culture, and here's what happens in the culture of the day, is that we put so many rules on it, so many regulations on what I just said, that we become super legalistic, and we have all the yeah buts and I thinks and here's what I should do's. And we take this gift that God has given us and we make it a chore, we make it a burden. Because I know some of you are already thinking, I disagree with that, I can't do that, I don't see how. Right? And that's fine. Right? I'm just saying in Scripture I see this coming up over and over again. But notice what Jesus says in Mark 2, verses 23 through 27. I love this. So on the Sabbath, Jesus and his disciples were going through the grain fields and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of the grain. They're hungry, they're grabbing some food. The Pharisees, the religious elite, said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? No work, right? Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made, why? To meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of Sabbath. And, and so Matt, what, what am I trying to say to you today? A part of the reason that I believe that a lot of times as, as Christ followers, as children of God, is that we're so busy is that we simply don't take a break. We don't take a day off. I have specific rules in my mind and in my head and heart on what this means for my family, right? I'm not putting this on you, but I'm going to tell you how my family and how my staff operates in this. I think it's important for you to know. Friday at sundown till Saturday at sundown, Matt Miller doesn't work for New City Church. Not just me, my wife and my staff. Like you can ask Pastor Curtis here. I can't control what Curtis does at home if he wants to do all kinds of other stuff. But concerning New City and the things about this church, I've asked as the lead pastor, hey, from Friday afternoon to Saturday evening, like I don't want you working for me. And if I hear that you're working for me, we're going to have a conversation because I don't, the Bible says that your oxen don't even work. And Curtis is a great ox. <laughs> all right? He carries a big load for me. But I want Curtis and his family, Valerie's sitting back here, to have a day off. A day where they go, man, man, no, 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 no. If I'm giving you, I'm blessing you, as I see it in Scripture. You take this whole day and use it. You know, in my family, who loves Saturday the most? This pretty girl in the front row, my wife. The reason Jen loves Sabbath so much, like we look forward to it because we run hard in our family. We work hard six days a week. But, man, we got like, hey, man, Friday evening's coming for our family, and we know that Saturday we're taking off. Do you have a day that you uh, intentionally take off? to catch your breath, to rest, and just enjoy it? A day where you don't feel like you have to create something? A day where you don't feel like you have to build something? Like, you know what Jen knew? And it's, now we're kind of in this rhythm, and it's not so much a big deal. But there was a season where why, when my wife really loved Sabbath was because I was completely present. Now it's just kind of what we do, and I'm still present, but it's not as fresh and new anymore. But early on, it was like, man, our family is together and I'm not on my computer, and she's not on hers, and I'm not on my phone, and she's not on hers, and we're, we're hanging out with the kids. It may be at a baseball game or baseball practice. It may, we start off our Saturday by big breakfast, right, where I fix biscuits and gravy and sausage, and we sit around the table, and we all get fat together, right? And we just, that's how we start our Saturday, right? And then we just kind of, where does it go from there? And we just let it play out. You have to have a day, and I, I'm kind of saying this, you have to have a day for your family simply to be. Like, there's a day where God's like, hey, I got this, guys. Like, I don't need you to be carrying the weight seven days a week. You can trust me. You can trust me. I am a good, good father. I want you to take a day off. In the early days, 
Because I know, again, some of you are like, Matt, if I do that, I can't pay my, my bills. And Matt, if I can't... Uh, and so in the early days for us, there was this uh, statement. This is how I stayed on top of this, just kind of being authentic with you for a second, is it was really hard for me to stay off of emails and sermon planning and thinking about you guys early on. And so I came up with this little slogan, all right? And my slogan was, I'm not working on purpose. I'm not working on purpose. And I began to make not working an act of worship. This is weird. It had to become worship for me. God, I will not mow my yard today because I love you more than I love my green grass. Lord, I love you more than cleaning my garage today. Because I just need to stay busy, right? I mean, who wants to clean their car? But I would find myself like, Lord, I love you more than laundry. Lord, I love you more than having to buy groceries today. Like, God, whatever I would call work, I'm choosing not to do that because I'm not working on purpose. This is a day of worship for you. Does that, make, does that connect with you a little bit? So it's not just sing-song time. There's times in us as, a, as human beings in our workflow that we have a chance to say, God, I'm going to worship you today by not working. And you know what happens then? You feel guilty because you're not doing anything. You feel guilty because, oh, man, I'm not. I can't. I can't. God doesn't want me just sitting here, does he? God doesn't want me just to go to the park today with my kids. God doesn't want me just to get, no, no, no. And we, all of a sudden we feel all this guilt about all of this stuff that we're supposed to do. You can't even be present with this present because you're thinking about what you need to be doing. So later in life, and as the, actually the months and years went by, uh, the, the, the not working on purpose kind of became like breathing. And then I got legalistic in it. All my rules of do's and don'ts, I became a Pharisee, right? And so I came up with a new slogan. Actually, my wife gave me this slogan. And it's, it's this right here. Only what I get to. That's a short way to say it. Only what I get to. It'll come up in a second. Yeah, only what I get to. So anything in my life that I feel like I have to do, that I had to get done, that was on me, you know what? I got six days a week to do that. It's amazing when you know that you're going to take one day a week off, how much you can get done in six days. When you know that you're not doing laundry on this day, grocery shopping on this day, home, what's the last word behind that? Work. Like my kids love this. No, you're not doing homework on Saturday. You've got six days. You can do it today when we get in from school. I mean, from church, whatever this is, right? You can do it when we get home. But you're, you're not doing it on Saturday. Saturday's a fun day. Your room's a mess? Clean it tomorrow. I just step over toys. I just step on Legos, hurt my toes. That's what I do, right? But you know, even my oxen don't work. We had a babysitter over several months ago, and I think it was Michelle, and she was like, um, hey, uh, what are you guys going to do on Saturday? And my daughter, Christy, goes, uh, it's Saturday, duh, nothing. <laughs> you know how happy that made Jen and I when we heard her say that? As moms and dads who are training up our children, like they know, it's not, they know what we're doing and why we're doing this. Like, hey, this is a day off for the Lord. If you're here, you're like, man, man, I don't know how to do this. That's heavy for me. Can I share with you quickly the second gift? And that's the great counselor. Man, God wants to be up in your business so much. He really does. You dads in the room, you moms in the room, I know sometimes it can be annoying. I know it can be annoying, but just hear me out on this. Doesn't it make you feel good when your kids need you? That like when, when your child needs you, maybe when they're older, you need, they need your wisdom to help them through a situation. They need your wisdom on help. But when they're a little bitty, like Luke still to this day, he's seven, will say, Daddy, are you going to come suck me up? Right? And honestly, sometimes I'm like, I'm wasting my time because I know 10 minutes from now you're going to get out of bed for 15,000 things, right? Like I know this. I've done this now forever, it seems like. But he still needs daddy. 
He, need, he needs daddy to do, like the girls. Jen still tucks them in bed tonight and, and does the good night routine. And be careful if you're a new parent, like what you start. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing up there? I'm trying to watch a movie for 30 minutes, going through all the nighttime routines. I'm like, good gravy. So anyway, just smile. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Lord gives us a counselor, right? The Lord gives us a counselor. Look with us in a... Look with me in John 14, 26, what Jesus says. So in John 14, in John 15 and John 16, is the dialogue that Jesus is having with his disciples as they walk to Jesus' last moments. So this is the last conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. And in this conversation, he says a lot of beautiful, heavy things. But here he talks about what's going to happen next. He says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. As a child of God who has been holy and set apart, God has gifted each of us, whether you're in high school or you're retired, he's gifted you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, I believe this about the Holy Spirit, loves to be needed and loves to be wanted and wants to speak into your life. And so no matter what stage you're in and what you're trying to figure out, man, you can sit down with the Holy Spirit and say, here's what's going on with me, help me. I do that with my Bible open. And I talk to the Lord about what's going on, and I'm like, help me discover what I need to do here. Help me to discover what's my next step. Help me to discover like how not to be so whatever it might be. you got issues, mom and dad, with your anger? The Bible speaks to this. Mom and dad, you got issues with how you're treating one another? The Bible speaks to that. you got issues on how you're dealing with your finances? Guess what? The Bible speaks to that. you got problems out there with your selfishness? And wanting like what you want. Listen, the Bible speaks to that. You've got problems with pick something, the Bible speaks to this. And so the Holy Spirit is inviting you. What, what does it say? What does Jesus say there? But the what? What's that word? Capital C? Counselor. What does a counselor do? A counselor speaks into your life. He helps you discover what you need to do next. And some of us, man, listen. It is my hope that when you come in here, that I'm able to shine the light maybe on a situation uh, through God's word that you're struggling with. But the truth is this. It's impossible for me to speak to every one of you guys specifically. But man, God's word can. God's word can. And so I want to encourage you this week to sit down as a mom or a dad or as a leader and say, what's going on? Like, what's going on in me? And a great counselor. Like, here's the, oh man, you know what's fun? It's holding Jesus to what he says. Look what Jesus gives the identity. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, when the Father will send him, who the Father will send him my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus puts that on the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit within himself. And so the Holy Spirit, because God can't lie, must do those things. And so when you sit, I know how, this is how some of us approach God. We think that God's up there in some spiritual theological realm, and we're asking him a question, and he goes, Guess which hand is in? Come on, guess. Guess, guess which one. Man, that is, listen, that is not a good, good father. You know what God says? Seek me and you will find me. Ask and you will understand, right? Like I, God wants you to know how to deal. And man, he wants you to be present. Here's some things to try this week. Moms and dads, make an effort to sit around your table. I don't know if this is a common practice in your house. I don't, for us, um, it's important to my wife, Jen, right? It's become important to me. We eat dinner around our table about five times a week. Monday through Friday, we're typically around the table. When we're at restaurants, we sit around the table too. But it's just, it, when we're at our home, 
and we've cooked dinner, it just feels different. And we ask just silly, like, listen, I know you think that you can probably maybe because I'm a pastor, your mind might be like, oh, it looks like the Lord's Supper up there. No. <laughs> it's like one kid's always making some bodily noise. Um, you never know what question is going to be asked based on what they learned at school that day. Um, my son's rear end is allergic to the chair, so he can't sit down, right? And so guess what? I'm always asking him to please sit down. And so like, it's like if you were there, you'd be like, is this guy a Christian? Like sometimes it's challenging, right? But we're together as a family. There's been numerous times where Jen and I, we sat at both ends of the table that we've looked at, looked at each other and said, we've lost complete control. <laughs> we, we have no control of this family. Like, Lord, it's, they're on you. Like I don't know what to do, right? It's just like sometimes Chrissy just gets up and breaks out in some provocative dance. I'm like, where did you learn that? And please don't do that when you're older, right? Like, oh, my gosh, Jesus, help me, right? It's just you never know what's going to happen. But we're together. And listen, when we're there, take that phone of yours and put it on the counter. Put that phone somewhere else and be present with your family. Maybe this week you get a shoebox in your house, right? And let the kids decorate it and call it the phone box. And carve out time every day when your kids come in for this amount of time, the devices go in that box, the lid goes on it, and we're not going to get them till the time's up. And during that time, we're just going to be. Dads, like when you're rushed, when you're stressed, when you're uh, all those things that I mentioned earlier, like I, for me, how I check out is I want to go home and just like watch like PTI or some TV show that I've recorded. And man, I heard Matt Chandler say one time, he's a pastor, I believe, in Texas. And he said, dads, you ought to go to bed at night, every night, completely exhausted because you've given everything to your family. Dads, I'll include moms. It's okay. Like, don't feel guilty that you hit your head on your pillow at night feeling exhausted because, no, man, we put it all out there. Like, I've done everything I can today to be the best dad to my three kids, to be the best husband to my wife, Jen. Like, I'm, I shouldn't go to bed going, wow, I did nothing today. It's okay to be tired because you're being present with, did you know it's hard to be present? But it's so worth it. It's worth it. And if you're too rushed and stressed and tired and distracted that you don't have time to talk to your kid or talk to your spouse because you're already thinking about the next thing, man, I would encourage you to lean into God's word and choose to step into the, the gifts that he gives you of a day off in the counselor. Because remember, mom and dads, right? I am not interested in like raising this really godly seven-year-old I'm focused on raising the godly 37-year-old. And what you model for your kids and what you teach your kids will reflect. It will be reflected. And so be present. I want to wrap up with prayer in this way. Um, if, if, if you're, and the guys will maybe put some stuff on Spotify, but here, here's my ask for you. I want to cover up maybe just a minute of time for you to process one or two things this week that you can do to be more present. Okay, would you do that? I'm going to create a space right now. And if you, it doesn't matter what your context is. You may not have kids. Maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you're an employee. It doesn't matter. What are two things this week that you can do to be more present, right, practical steps in the relationships that you are a part of? So let's hit a little uh, uh, sing-song music, Jeremy, and uh, we'll process this for just a quick amount of time.
Father, we pray today for wisdom, that you would reveal to us the right thing and that we would do it. Would you give us understanding as we establish this house? Church, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you're like, Matt, um, this is a heavier topic for me than even what I expected when I came in this morning. I've got elders in the back of the room after service today. They're standing back there by the black curtain. If you need to get prayed for today, man, you stop back by there and talk to them. Let them encourage you. Maybe you need to share your practical step on how you're going to be present. So maybe some extra added accountability. You do that. But be encouraged. Man, the Lord wants you to win. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.